hello, hello, hello. All right, guys. So I'm going to keep this guy here for the visual video um, so I can put some stuff here, maybe. Maybe. You let me know if it's bothering you. So welcome to Bono Stuff. Today, or this episode, is going to talk about uh, Bono's The Seven Primal Movement Patterns. So it's the seven movements that our bodies can kind of go into. So we can talk about different shapes that we go into, different movements that we can go into. This is one way to categorize your training, your movement, uh, your movement practice. So if you're doing Peloton, again, I like to kind of pick on Peloton because it's very popular and uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with Peloton. And again, I'm glad that it's getting people moving, but there's a lot of missing components to what's going on with our bodies. So the analogy I will use there is that similar to when you get blood work done, your doctor might say, you are deficient in these three vitamins, iron or uh, magnesium or what have you. So same thing with movement. We need to be treating our body to all seven of these movements and progressing each one in a, in a healthy way. That's where a coach can come in. And if you have a coach, they should be including some of this, especially if your goals include longevity, include aging better, include feeling better, all right? The better balance we have across all seven of these primal movement patterns, the healthier we will be, the less likely we are to get injured, the better we will feel, all right? The better we will look as we get moving with it. So I know that tends to be people's goals to look better in a lot of ways when it comes to the body. So let's talk about the seven. I'm gonna break it down relatively simple and I'm gonna try to, again, keep this to a relatively kind of shorter time frame. Before I begin, please make sure you like, share, subscribe to the channel, whether you're watching, listening uh, on, on Audible or any of the uh, platforms that podcasts, YouTube, any of it, all right? I uh, really appreciate it. Um, it, it. It really means the world to me. If you can rate it also, that would mean a lot as well, all right? So let's get into the seven. Let's talk about the upper body the way we can categorize the upper body primal movements is a push and a pull, okay? Very simple version of that. Now, there's what we'll call a horizontal push and pull. So you think about a bench press for the horizontal push, a push-up for the horizontal push, and that horizontal pull, kind of like a row, right, um, versus the vertical push-pull. So again, strict press for the vertical push, a pull-up, for the pull, okay? So, push-pull, very simple versions of upper body. That's the first two movement patterns we're gonna talk about. We're gonna move on to the lower body, okay? Three lower body, theoretically, movement patterns. We're gonna, try, again, trying to simplify it. So two upper body, three lower body are squat, hinge, and lunge, okay? Squat, hinge, lunge. And it's important we distinguish these three because it's going to, again, keep your body healthy. Any good movement practice, movement program, exercise program should have all of these components, okay? So, and a lot of times what happens is, is these things get out of balance as well. So, back to the upper body for a second, the push-pull tends to have a lot more push and again, I'm in a car right now as I'm recording this, we tend to be more 
we'll call it a push, but we're in that push position and we don't do nearly enough pull. In a lot of the uh, fitness space, if you read men's health or anything like that, you're going to see some of this generic advice to, to say, hey, we should be pulling more than we are pushing, which I 100% agree with. You'll see a ratio like you should be pulling two to one. So if you do a set of 10 push-ups or 10 bench press, you should be doing almost 20 reps of a pull-up or some version of a pull, which I agree with. And again, I almost exaggerate that to the extent of saying it should be 10 pulls to one push just because our society is so forward dominant. Okay, and we also do a lot of that stuff in traditional gyms because the front, the push muscles are the ones that including like bicep curls, we can include that in there as kind of a push, if you will. Um, But we tend to do a lot more of that because those are the muscles that look better. We can't see our backs as much. Uh, So so that's kind of where inherently we do that. So those ratios are important. Moving into the lower body, squat, hinge, lunge, squat we can all should be able to kind of picture that you sit down onto a chair, onto a toilet. Uh, if you need to, you know, do your business in the woods, you're squatting. All right. So what happens as we get older, we tend not to go into those full deep ranges of motion. So our hips, our knees and our ankles and our spines lose some of those ranges of motion. I have a very simple, again, theory that the majority of total hip replacements, total knee replacements are in fact mostly due to the fact that we do not move into this full range of motion. When we talk about, uh, we th- we imagine kind of the third world, uh, you know, Chinese, uh, Indian, uh, Pakistani, whatever culture or country you want to think of there, where you can picture people sitting all the way down, all right? And they are, again, we call it ass to grass. I hope that doesn't get me uh, explicit, but ass to grass, where again, you're in a full depth range of motion. Does that make sense? Hopefully it does. I'm gonna try to put videos up here. So that deep squat is where your hips and your knees are bending at the same time, okay? The hinge as an alternative or as, a, as another part to it, your knees are not bending down. So your, your hips are pushing back. The cue I really like to give when I'm working with somebody on a something like an RDL or just a hinge movement pattern is push your tush back so that you're closing a drawer behind you with your butt, with your tush, okay? So as you push your hips back, you should feel a good amount of tension down the backs of the legs. Some people feel it all the way into their calves, even the bottom of their feet. That's all that tension, neural tension, fascial tension, whatever we wanna call it, and, and how uh, geeky do we wanna get to distinguish it, okay? so. Hinge is really focused, again, think of a deadlift, usually a Romanian deadlift more, more uh, explicitly. Uh, so squat versus hinge, there is a difference. And again, when we talk about the ratios like we had with the push-pull, most people are very, very poor hingers. So again, it's just something we do not do in life. Most people kind of get what squatting is. There's plenty of things we can fix in squatting. But when it comes to hinging, People take a lot more uh, cues, especially the older population who has not been involved with more uh, exercise class and things like that. I think things do get through in terms of hinging and moving and and enhancing our movement literacy. Again, my my analogy there is, uh, you know, just like um, you have a movement 
grade level, just like if you have a reading grade level. So, you know, the New York Times, for instance, and I don't want to get into the politics of the failing New York Times or whatever, but it's considered, uh, I'll have to double check this, but I think it was considered at a sixth grade reading level or seventh grade reading level is how they write that language versus for those of you back in New York, the Daily News or the New York Post. Uh, is considered, I think, at like a third grade reading level or, or, or something like that. Again, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is what I recall growing up in New York. Um, that was kind of the, the, the metric that we talked about there. The idea being, again, if you eventually want to get to college level, SAT level, uh, you know, be able to perform Shakespeare, you have to have an excellent, uh, not doing it right now, you have to have an excellent control and understanding of the entire English language. All right. So the same thing for movement practice, for your movement literacy, how well do you move? And we're going to come back to these seven movement patterns. So how well do you push and pull? There's all sorts of errors that happen. A lot of people, when they pull, they over-engage their upper traps and they're not doing a very pure pull down and can't isolate different parts. So the better you can control your body, again, that is going to help set us up for a healthier uh, movement practice, but healthier and, and less likely to be injured body. Okay, so hinge, again, most people are very poor hingers. So how good are you? We're gonna have a video up here. We're gonna uh, try to continue to talk about that. Again, it's the best thing is to get with a professional who understands these concepts, can look at you one-on-one, can give you the cues you need, uh, but I'm trying to throw some of those generic ones at you. So hinge, squat, we covered. Lunge, again, I think we should all be able to picture what a lunge is. Basically, uh, you have one leg bending down, knee going toward the ground, the other leg in invariably a squat pattern, something like a step up onto a box or even onto one step on a staircase is invariably considered a lunge pattern. So again, we can get very specific with all this stuff, but as long as you have those three concepts down, all right, and there's plenty of variations on all of these movements, so we're trying to keep it simple, but lunge, I really like to mix up the variations so you could start standing and you do a reverse lunge where you step back. You can do a forward lunge where you step forward, okay? You can do walking lunges, you can do lunges in place. Uh, Again, you can do side lunges, all these different variations on it. And again, that's another bit to this I will throw in there to make it a little more complicated is uh, most of these movement patterns we tend to think of are forward, backward. Now, can we start including rotational stuff? Uh, Can we start including side to side stuff? I think it's very important that, again, we work in this three-dimensional model because that's how our bodies move in space, okay? But again, it comes back to how good are you at these basics, and then we can get fancier from there. So the lunge pattern uh, we covered, okay? Uh, and again, what one of the, 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 the mistakes that happens there, or, or again, what we see people not doing great with is the ability to, especially if we say a reverse lunge, Uh, Can you keep your shin kind of relatively vertical? Again, and there's a lot of benefits to doing that. Uh, The same thing with a forward lunge. What we see is a a lot of people put their knees way past their toes. That is not unhealthy all the time. But if I ask you to do that, can we clean it up? Can we make that movement more efficient? Okay. So again, relatively simple. We got push-pull upper body, squat, hinge, lunge, lower body. And then the last two are relatively simple again, but we can get as complicated as we want. Number one being a twist. So all the different forms of twist that we can think of, there's also very important kind of movement in physical therapy, fitness, 
anti-rotation. So you're actually working on keeping your body centered as a force is pushing you into a twist and you're fighting against that twist, which is very important for keeping your spine healthy as, again, life puts all these different forces on us. So it's good unloaded without any weight on top of us to work through twisting. Again, it's, it feels good. Uh, it, it's really good for our spines and we tend not to do a lot of it as we get older. So working that in one way or another is a really good way to, to get that twist in. It's very important. Uh, but again, as we start to load the weight, we do not necessarily want to twist. So we want to get stronger at avoiding twisting. Okay. Unless you're playing a sport like golf, baseball, anything, tennis, anything that forces us to twist Uh, Now we want to get better and healthier and more balanced because all those sports, you're twisting one way. And now it's not the worst thing to be imbalanced, right? Uh, It's natural to have those imbalances, especially if you're trying to enhance your performance. I would not tell a starting major league baseball pitcher to, let oh, you have like 20 degrees or, or yeah, 20 degrees difference or strength wise difference in your pitching arm. Let's try to balance that out so you're healthier long term. No, that guy needs to have as strong of a pitching arm as possible, all right? And we need to do everything we can to almost make him imbalanced, okay? Uh, Any benefits we get on the the non-pitching side, that's great, but we really need to make sure that the the arm that's doing the work is, in fact, as healthy as possible, strong as possible, and performing up to its peak. But unless you're in that high-level sport, it's very important that we have good balance and we work towards good balance. Okay. Uh, so that was a twist. And the last seventh movement pattern is simply walking gait, ambulation, progressing that to sprinting. And again, that's something that we don't do enough of is that high level sprinting. And again, we need to be a little careful with this as if you don't have the basics of the foundations of running, meaning, you know, a single leg stance, good side to side stability, because every time your foot hits the ground, if your hips are dropping, we can only see that maybe on slow down video of a treadmill analysis. Um, we can see that in some different screens. So that's why one thing I do with a, almost every person I interact with, a client, uh, anyone who wants to run, I say, let's go through these screens, including, I'll do it real quick, is side plank leg lifts, calf raises, okay, uh, bridges from the floor with a single leg, and how long can you hold that? Uh, and we have, again, d- different metrics I'm looking at for all these things. I get video of this, so we can really hone in on your imbalances, on the components, just like, again, I'm in the car, I'll use the car as the analogy, uh, you know, a mechanic can look in your engine and say, hey, like this, the spark plug is not working. I don't know very much about cars, but if the spark plug is not performing up to its uh, you know, efficiency, if the wheel, the tread on the wheels is wearing down, uh, do we need to rotate those tires? Do we need to fill them with more air? Whatever it is, same thing back to, you know, if you're running and especially if you plan to run at a high level, whether it's increasing your mileage, uh, we can look at your shoes. We can look at your, again, these tests of how good is your body under different conditions. And then we can look at you running and say, Hey, there's some stuff going on here that we can start to improve. When I took the CrossFit endurance course, uh, it included uh, pose running was the main focus on that. So pose running is not necessarily the the, the form of running that everyone needs to go through. I'm not going to go deep into it, but running is definitely something that 
we all take for granted. It's the thing, especially we had the lockdown recently. A lot of people started running as a way to get outside, which is great. Uh, and again, walking is also phenomenal. But can we improve your tires, uh, meaning, again, your feet, your hips, your imbalances? Because if you are imbalanced in any way, that's going to add up, maybe not in one year, maybe not in 10 years, maybe in 20 years. But again, my goal is to help you avoid pain, to keep you healthy, to keep you moving, keep you excelling in life. All right. Quality of life is something that we can talk about there. So I'm going to wrap it up. Seven movement patterns. Hopefully that made some sense. <laughs> um, push pull for the upper body. Okay. And again, we're looking for those ratios of how good are they forward, backward. Squat, hinge, lunge for the lower body. Okay. So, and, and again, we want to see the balance between, and there's ratios that we're looking at between your hinge pattern and your squat pattern. So how does your deadlift compare to your squat? For higher level, I'll, I'll say real quick, back squat to deadlift, we want to see that your back squat is about 80% of your deadlift. Okay. Uh, very simply. So whether that's your one rep max, so if you can do 100 pounds for a deadlift, and then you should be able to do at least, or you should be able to do 80 pounds for a back squat. And again, I've seen a lot of these imbalances because people don't focus enough on either the right technique or the uh, just doing the reps. So they, they, they either just avoid doing a proper hinge or deadlift pattern, and they really focus on squatting, so they're getting their squatting a lot stronger. So their squat might be 100 pounds, but their deadlift might only be 30 pounds, something like that. Just throwing random numbers at you. Uh, without going into those higher, higher numbers. All right, so we have push-pull, squat, hinge, lunge, twist, and then gait ambulation is the seventh one. So plenty of other ways we can look at movement. We didn't talk about throwing, and it can all kind of fit into different stuff. Carrying, again, just your breathing patterns. I wanna touch on all these things. I want you guys to interact. If you have questions, if you made it this far in the video, I really appreciate it. I know people don't necessarily love hearing somebody by themselves talking for 18 minutes now. <laughs> but if you made it this far, I really appreciate it. Again, uh, I'm sure there's people out there. Uh, I, I have these conversations all the time with different people. So there's different contexts. If you got something out of it, leave a comment, direct message me. Let's chat. I want to continue to progress these. I want to do videos on each of these concepts. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate it, guys. Hopefully this got you 1% better. Go out there, have a healthy day. And... I will look forward to chatting with you soon. Peace.